Welcome to this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Hello. Um, we're so excited. We're always excited, but uh, particularly because I this week we have my best friend and roommate on the podcast, Olga Desetnik. She is amazing. Um, and we actually connected and became so close because... We've had some similar experiences with trauma um, and abuse with uh, exes mm-hmm. of ours. And so that is what this episode focuses on of how in the hell do you find your yum after going through something like that? Yeah, it's a, I think it's a very um, it's a very powerful episode, I suppose, is what I would say. Yeah. Uh, he supposes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He supposes I don't, everyone. Right. <laughs> Uh, but it is like I mean, <laughs> it's a story that I don't see uh, the that side of a ton as as a dude. Um, I'm sure yeah. that I'm, I know that's out there too, but it's just not as prevalent, right? Um, and you know, hearing Olga be so like kind of open about kind of you know what has happened to her and kind of how she has moved past it, I think is is it's good for anybody to listen to and yeah. I think can be um, hopefully resonate with some people and, and give them like kind of a, a path out although yeah it is um it is one person's story and i relate you know some of my story as well so do keep that in mind not everybody experiences it in the same way and and um deals with it or moves through it in the same way so if if you are experiencing any of these things or any of these resonate we are going to put resources at the bottom of this podcast so you can reach out um feel free to reach out to us as well but yeah it's some some heavy topics but um so obviously if there's if you're worried about listening yeah um if you feel like you have any triggers trigger in there warning. then yeah heads up to that too yeah um but it's good. I think it's hopeful. And um, it's stuff yeah. that needs to be talked about because I think... She's a fucking all-star. So she's like, a yeah, fucking yeah. all-star. She's such a badass, you guys. And and inspiring. And she's inspired me and, and helped me a lot through my healing and grieving and um, moving through into becoming the person that I want and attracting the sort of people and partner that I'm looking for in this crazy wild ride. So enjoy. Yeah. I'm feeling yummy head to toe. You see me, ain't got no patience, so let's go. You see me. Hello, yay! I'm so excited. We have Olga on the podcast today. She is my best friend and roommate and just a delight of a human being. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much. Happy to be here. Yeah, so um, today's focus is... Um, what do you do after trauma and experiencing abuse and how does that change your perception on like how to find your yum and even like relationships and love and connection because uh, I feel like trauma and abuse taints that or makes it feel unsafe in a lot of ways. Um, So yeah, let's just launch in so we can get like a little scoop on sort of what was the like incident that we're talking about and then moving forward into now. (laughs) Um, Okay. So yeah, um, I was in a relationship with a narcissist. Uh, I wouldn't say I was, I just want to clarify because, you know, physical abuse and emotional abuse are both real and sort of have different 
consequences I think and also yeah. everyone experiences them differently as well but so uh it was emotionally abusive um he and verbal was abuse is different as well right mm-hmm. sure yeah um it's a lot of manipulation and gaslighting and and to clarify a gaslighting uh is based on an old movie where uh I can't even remember who was in it I should have done research on this. Anyways, they're like driving down the street. It's a husband and a wife. And the husband has purposely uh, said that, like, set the gas lamps on the side of the road to go down in their amount of light that they're showing. Dim. They dim. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and uh, and sh- the wife notices and he calls her crazy. Um, so it's a way of essentially like having these things happen around you that's sort of orchestrated and then when the person calls them out as being crazy uh specifically or like he tells happening. her like oh. they're yeah. not they're yeah not you're dimming. you're wrong like they're not yeah, yeah. dimming so like your, you your percep- your yeah your reality gets really right so it's confused. it's meant to make someone think that they're crazy and they yeah. can actually make you crazy and i um, think like something that's interesting well, is i mean make you think you are sorry mm-hmm. right like in a in terms of how a narcissist operates like a clinical personality disorder narcissist uh it's a it is a manipulation that they know that they're doing right and then there are people i think who do it who also aren't necessarily as cognizant because i feel like um in my past relationship i experienced that as well Mm -hmm. but i don't know if he was necessarily cognizant of it i think it was like part of his like depression and and ways of like us controlling each other that was dysfunctional well, I mean, uh, if if he's perceiving reality differently and is, you know, convinced that something went a different way than you are and then is trying to convince you that your version is wrong, then, yeah, that's I mean, that would still be gaslighting. Right. Yeah. But but yeah. But like if it's a means of control, like, ooh, yeah, that's manipulation. Right. That is manipulation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, all bad things. All right. Regardless of what they're called. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. R- yes. Bad things. Exactly. Um, I looked it up. It's a 1944 film with Ingrid Bergman. There we go. Ingrid <laughs> Bergman. Yeah. But it was based on the stage play from 1938. Uh, <laughs> film adaptations released in 1940 and 1944. Anyway. Yeah, that's where the term comes from. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it was. So it was that and. uh you know, there was a lot of lying and cheating and, um, you know, under the guise of uh, pretending to be vulnerable and open when really there was always stuff he was hiding, no matter how vulnerable he pretended to be. And um, how long were you guys together? A year. Okay. And then you found out that... I think the story is interesting of how you found out because the consequence was you became close with a bunch of the other women who were affected as yeah. well, right? Which is amazing and such a cool consequence to come out of it right. in a bad situation. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, how much do you want me to <laughs> delve into the story? Just like the highlights. The hot, the lowlights. The um, lowlights. Yeah, so um, we, we were together for about a year, all told, which is I am lucky I got out fast because that could have lasted way longer um and it was on and off even within that year uh and um within like the first three months so you know the first stage of an abusive relationship is called love bombing where they uh 
it's what it sounds like. They basically like shower you with affection to a degree that is unexpected, like unprecedented really. And so, you know, they make you think that like you're so special to them and their world revolves around you. And so sort of gets you to then make your world revolve around them. And eventually when you're super dependent emotionally on their, um, positive support uh then they flip it and start to like break you down they like uh, someone who is skilled at manipulation will figure out what your insecurities are very very quickly and just play on those by first building you up in that way and then and then tearing you down based on those things that will really push your buttons and then you get confused and you become dependent on that high and validation that you feel like you need from them right yeah yeah so right um yeah, and then it quickly becomes like they isolate you from from people in your life and sort of related to gaslighting, like control, try to control how you view your relationship and the world and, you know, uh, fucked up things happen, but then they apologize and apologize in such a great way and say they're going to change. And then, you know, that cycle just repeats over and over and you always believe that they're going to change for some reason because they're just really good at um toying with your emotions yeah um, i think a like a a crazy connection come becomes involved in that as well mm-hmm. you know like because i think with my past relationship like there was so much of that involved as well but there was such insane chemistry that i was like there isn't another person out there that i feel this with or that i'm going to feel this with and you get like tunnel vision to an extent that it's just absolutely overwhelming yeah yeah um i yeah i've always said that it was was so strange the first couple of times that we hung out i wasn't really that impressed with like our physical connection yeah and then it yeah it became like uh i guess an emotionally driven need for validation from this person and so it became I don't know. I guess I started perceiving it as as being much better than it was because I like craved the attention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, anyway. Yeah. So about three months in, uh, I was taking a trip that was supposed to be by myself to Hong Kong. And um, he didn't want to come with me originally because he thought that was too serious. And then all of a sudden he sprung on me that he was coming with me. And while we were there, he told me that there was a woman who was threatening to go to the police for sexually assaulting her. And uh, and that was the only incidence that I really knew of at the time. But I, in retrospect, was also blinding myself to like a couple of experiences that I had with him where I said no and he didn't really take that for an answer um and he sort of uh, explained it as you know well I talked to my my female friend and she said that like sometimes she doesn't want to have sex with her boyfriend but then once they start it's fine and like when you're in a relationship that just happens (laughs) and which I think is something that I subscribe to believe as well like there's something in my mind that like oh yeah you have like um an obligation. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's part of the relationship. It's part of how you need to show up. And if you don't, you're not being a good girlfriend. That's yeah. that's so sad. It's so <laughs> sad. And it's like this antiquated, almost like 50s housewife type of thing that I think we've been. 
oh yeah no i mean before that yeah it's 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 the concept it's like the biblical concept that the woman is the husband's possession yeah oh yeah absolutely i mean well we came from somebody's rib so right you know biblically (laughs) so we are in debt right right but yeah i mean in ancient times like if a wife didn't fulfill that duty she could be punished like right i don't remember what the punishment was but yeah i think and i think a lot this was my my last relationship was like my first like very long-term serious relationship but but it did feel like that was so present also from my point of view as well like i didn't know anything different yeah you know yeah um the part that made it really fucked up in my situation that even at the time I was like, this is fucked up is, um, I mean, he would use, I used to say this to him that he was using sex as a weapon, like a, as a weapon and B as a manipulation tool. Like it was, it was a tool. I mean, just like humans are tools to him. Like everything was just a means to an end. There was no inherent value in intimacy or inherent value in other human beings for him. Right. And, um, and so the times that that I felt, uh, you know, uh, I guess assaulted <laughs> um, are when I specifically was upset. Um, so it wasn't just like, uh, I'm not yeah. really in the mood, but sure, let's do it. It was like he just he had just the first time it was that he had just told me because under the guise of, you know, he was being so vulnerable with me and I was like acting like his therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause at the beginning we both agreed we were going to be open. We weren't going to like jump into a committed relationship. And then about a month in, I was like, Hey, I would like to commit. And, um, he was like, okay, well I need to go on an apology tour to all these other women I've been sleeping with and tell them that they can't have me anymore. And, um, and (laughs) in that, (laughs) in that, um, apology tour is, uh, you know, where it really became, uh, bigger problem because you know he would tell the woman like i'm in a relationship now so she's like oh okay so you know we're not gonna do anything physical Mm -hmm. and then he'd be like but i want it one last time and they would say no and then he would sort of coerce it into happening and one of those women was the one he told me about in hong kong Mm. um and she was the only one i knew about at the time i learned about two others within that happened within that same like two week period uh way later after we broke up and um and so it was the same with me it was around that time it was like July where uh he told me yeah I had lunch with this one girl and uh I you know told her we couldn't see each other anymore and then we went back to her house and um you know she called me because she felt like it was extra rough like and he told me like we always had again he would tell me details that like knowing them was traumatizing to me that I really didn't want to know but he would be like yeah we always had rough sex but like she felt like it was extra rough this time and like she was sort of shaken by it and like like, he would tell me this stuff sort of uh because the I don't know because the more I accepted the farther he knew he could go Mm. with me you know like the more boundaries that I was willing to let be crossed the 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 more useful I would be to him as a future wife (laughs) (laughs) because he could have his cake and eat it too if I was that type of person right 
I would still forgive him and take him back no matter what, right? And at this point, I was still... I was still doing the thing that I used to do that's a problem um, because I was definitely, this relationship made me realize that I was codependent. You know, like I, I knew I had a really, uh, I went to therapy like years ago when I was in grad school um, and ended up realizing that I had an enmeshed relationship with my mom, which is a form of codependence that's like, um, you know, particular and, and you know, um, I, it, this relationship made me realize like, oh, I really haven't, fully dealt with that and it's way worse than I thought and I I have the same thing mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Yeah. and and I'm uh so you know upon breaking up with him I had to like really examine how did I get here like how did I let a person like this into my life how did I forgive these insane unforgivable things like how is that possible because anybody hearing it from the outside would be like that's fucking nuts break up with him yeah but I would make excuses in my mind because I knew that he was ill. I um, Right. You excuse a lot of behavior based on like if you think that they want to change and they want right. to do better. And if you love them and support them. I fell into this trap a lot of. Man, I was really in the business of changing people. Right. And I fell in love with my the ex idea was of amazing. What he could be. What he could be. Yeah. yeah. And like my ex was a great person. But, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I fell in love with with how much potential. I fell in love with his potential, right? And that is so dangerous. Totally. Yeah, you were gonna say something, Will. Uh, I was gonna ask <laughs> what enmeshment is. Oh, and it's yeah. It's come up a couple of times on this podcast, but I don't uh, think yeah. we've ever defined, defined it, and it. I'm not familiar. So sure. Yeah. Um, I it's been a while since I've like read the literature on it, but um, an enmeshed relationship is basically one person. So in this case my mom and she will deny this but um <laughs> uh sees me and it could be a, a parent child relationship it could be a couple it could be siblings it could be anyone really but uh they basically see the other person as part of their own ego i guess like i don't know if ego is the correct term but uh but they're an extension of them and so everything i do reflects on her she doesn't mm. see me as a separate person okay. um so she it, so there's control uh, like she wants to control the way that I behave or feel. And there's also a lot of um, uh, expectation on me to provide all of her emotional support. Like I'm there to serve her emotional needs. I see. Um, and so you were saying that you so feel like So enmeshment between a parent and a child will often result in over-involvement in each other's lives so that it makes it hard for the child to become developmentally independent and responsible her, for her choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, the definition is two or more people in which personal boundaries are permeable and unclear. Right. Gotcha. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And so you're uh, saying you were feeling this coming up again sort of with this guy? Well, I, was not, was I wasn't naming it at all right. in the middle of the relationship because... You know, the big L. We're all like, well, this is love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have these like stupid romantic ideas. Yes. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is uh, when I was with my ex, I remember, oh, this is funny, that's just came to me, but I remember a lot of things that he would say is like, true love, like love, you stay. You right. stay no matter what. You never, you don't leave. Like you always work through it. And 
I remember when I got out of it, I was like, holy shit, that's so wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a good. Yeah. Just in terms of like, yes, working on something is super important. And if you're not committed and you're not willing, but both people have got to be really invested in working on the relationship as well as personal. Yeah. On themselves. And if that's not happening, Oh, run. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, my God. I know that's something I think about a lot that, uh, you know, I, every generation has like their 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 thing that uh, created their perspective on love. Right. And for us, it's Disney movies, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had so many female friends that suffer from like the fucking, you know, prince damsel in distress thing not necessarily damsel in distress, but you know what i mean but like disney princesses who are just like waiting for their one true love to fix everything and once they meet him everything will be great yeah uh and, and solve just- all the problems and and you gotta I, I think what i acutely found was like if you find the bad boy or the person with the problems they will change if it's real they will change for you yes they'll make the choice yes. for you and that shows you that you're the one and it's like that's dude a nightmare that's exactly <laughs> no that is exactly what i was thinking with him and with many people that Me i was too. with before that my ex as well i was like oh but i'm the one right. he will do it and for right i have to See, imagine this goes way back before disney too though because like yeah. no that's Ted what i was Bundy, saying right? every like, generation had their yeah. version of this yeah. yeah 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 but but that's exactly what he used mm-hmm. to make right in the, like the love bombing and then abusing that's that's the mechanism is oh but you're special like you're the only one who can help me and that's how i felt i'm the only one who can save him and that was why i stayed when he told me empathetic and he could right 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 exactly yes he he, yes um i think it's annoying when people use this term but i am an empath (laughs) (laughs) um and and a lot and pretty much all of his victims are um because that's you know empaths are the perfect prey for narcissists because yeah. they know and so are codependents yeah i mean yeah. i think empaths and codependents yeah. kind of go together yeah that um uh, yeah the anything that he would do i would feel bad for him instead of thinking about how is this affecting me um and right and i believed that um he had borderline personality disorder and he may or may not uh have both that and narcissistic personality disorder i don't know but i sort of saw that as like oh, okay so a lot of the things he does are his illness they're not his fault and so right. i can help him and i'm gonna get him to therapy and then he'll be better and then i will have <laughs> i will have you've, saved him you've won the world you've won life right right yeah. you know and and yeah and that idea of like well you should do anything for love yeah <laughs> uh, like, totally that that idea i was such a hopeless romantic growing up um yeah, and I think that that sort of, go, like, sorry, to go ahead. Up, but I think that that sort of goes into where I feel like both of us, my relationship d- disintegrated and uh, it became a pretty unsafe situation at the end um, for me, for both of us, actually. It was, it, and so I ended up, we were living together and I ended up moving out very, very quickly um, just so that both of us were not in the situation where something could happen. Uh you know, things had already sort of progressed and was looking bad. But like, I think we've talked about this, like the idea of labeling abuse or like domestic violence or labeling yourself as a victim in a, in a situation when you feel like a really intelligent human being who 
is capable and understands, you know, the world to an extent is so hard. Yeah. And it takes you being receptive to it and then somebody else almost being like, hey, wake up. This is right. dysfunctional behavior. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is, yes, which is why isolation is a part of abuse relationships. Right. Because if nobody from the outside can tell you, hey, mm-hmm. this is fucked up, you'll keep excusing it. Yeah. Um, is that what happened? Yes. For you? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I absolutely hid like 50% of what happened between us from everyone. Um, and then there would be points when like, because the other thing was when even when we'd go on a break, I didn't want to say too much because I thought if we get back together, yeah. I don't want my friends to hate him. I had that, too. Yeah. Because then they have a laundry list of like you air all the dirty laundry and it's like you get back together and then you feel like everybody is judging you. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Because, yes. And they'd be judging you. But right. And yeah. oh, and I have a friend who's going through this right now. And it's just. Yeah. Like I, I, I think of myself as a different person pre and post this relationship yeah uh i i'm com- i approach the world and relationships in uh, 180 degrees differently from how i used to um in what way um well d- in terms of boundaries i just i didn't have them i didn't understand what they were or why i needed them and um and now i see it so easily in other people um, and I was saying like, I have a friend who's going through this thing where she keeps, she told me all the bad shit about the guy that she was with. And then I saw her get back together with him twice. And I was just, and I have like no patience. It's, I, you have to let people come to their conclusions yeah. on their own time. Right. right. But when they're ready to receive. Yeah. Right. But I, but I'm just, it's, I'm sort of like clinical about it now where I'm just like, okay, what's happening is A, B, C, <laughs> and D. And here's why you're responding this way. Stop it. <laughs> right. Choose a different option. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It yeah. is so hard to do. Like, I think both of us know. Yeah. Like, as people who went back multiple times, it's incredibly difficult to walk away. And I, um, I'm losing the word. But I think like you get in this mindset of I think I said it before, like I was at least in the mindset of like, there's nobody else. I'm never going to find anybody right. else. Like I'm alone. I don't know how to operate in the world without this person. This person has become my whole life. I've exactly. let them be my whole life. That's the thing too. Yeah. Is you don't know what life is going to be like outside. Yeah. Like when you think about women in abusive marriages with kids that have been with, you know, their mm-hmm. husband for like 20 years or whatever. And people are like, why wouldn't they leave? Like, why would they leave their kids in this? And, actually there i was just watching an episode of this is us yesterday about this sorry if anybody's not done with this season but spoilers uh, spoilers um but but uh what's his name jack's mom right the um his dad is an uh, abusive alcoholic and they do this flashback where they show before her second son was born and the dad wasn't drinking yet and he is a totally different person and he's like you know, aware and calm and loving and a great dad and a great husband. And then, you know, when he starts being abusive, like she just keeps saying he didn't used to be like this. I know. He's, you know, and I've done if, that too. If like I you just, hold on to that 
kernel of yeah. light. Right. And you're like, but I've seen how this person can be. Yeah. And if I can only get them back to that place, exactly. everything exactly. will be okay. Right. And that's where the love bombing is important. Right. Because you just keep referring back to like, but I must be doing something to upset them totally. because when Becomes we started like out, they were great. So this must be my fault. Yeah. That's a big part. It's a personal failure. Like you've yeah. done something wrong. Yeah. Right. And then they, they, every time you have an argument, they make you believe that it's all your fault. Right. I think there's another thing, and I don't know if you personally feel this way, but I grew up in a uh, a relatively chaotic household. Uh, both of my parents have um, mental health issues, but uh, I like it. Like, it's all I know. Right. So when I got into this relationship and past relationships, and this is something I'm actively working on, I crave that chaos. So when somebody doesn't unconditionally love me, I'm like, this makes so much sense. It should be conditional. Like <laughs> you shouldn't be communicating with me all the time. Like I love that drama. Like my body just knows that drama and feels so comfortable in yeah. the uncertainty and in the like angst and uh, you know, that feeling right. that I have to like actively be like, this is not what you want and you can have something else. Other things exist. Right. Well, it's right. It's what you want. It's not what you need. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's like because it's familiar. It's exactly. comfortable. Yeah. 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 Totally. I mean, that's yeah. That's sort of like uh, it's sort of psych 101. But, but a lot of people don't realize this until it's too late yeah. that they're repeating the patterns of their relationship with their parents when they're in romantic relationships and it's yeah it's what you said it's it's, yeah. it's just that's all you know so you think this is what love looks like yeah um and it takes a lot of strength and um work to to change your own mindset about it and to like to realize that you deserve a healthy relationship yeah. and to figure out how to create boundaries uh that keep the abusive people away and only let in the healthy loving people yeah yeah so just in terms of how this relationship ended and kind of catapulted you into this next you know chapter of your life that you're in right now uh so you found out that he was cheating and having relationships with other people also that they had sexual assault experiences yeah. with him um and then just because I think you're fucking badass and it, this needs to be pointed out, you brought it to the comedy community that you were a part of so that other women wouldn't have to deal with this, that he wouldn't be a threat out there. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I found out about the the first one from his own mouth, right, when um, when we were on that trip. And then um, we went, you know, back and forth a couple of times, breaking up and getting back together. And the final time we broke up was because another woman who knew who I was from the comedy community called me and told me that they had been sleeping together for a number of months and that she felt he had just raped her. And she had a lot of trouble coming to terms with using that word as well. And the only reason she was able to do it is because I had posted in this Facebook group for women in comedy mm -hmm. uh, about an experience that I had with him, which I then deleted because three days later we made up because I'm a fucking idiot. I'm not an idiot. No. I'm sorry. I'm not. No, I shouldn't say that. Um, but, you know, it's that's like past me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, so she had seen that and it made her go, oh, my God, this is a pattern, because when you think it's just you. Again, you sort of blame yourself and, oh, maybe this was just a misunderstanding. Yeah. I I'm, misinterpreted. Yeah. I did something wrong. I gave the impression. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. Oh, God. That 
fires me up, man, that we yeah. still that f- I this is my soapbox right now. I people during the Me Too movement online who would no matter what you said, find a way to say, well, what was the woman doing to be in this situation? And why would she go to this hotel room? And what was she wearing? And no, fuck you. (laughs) Like it is not our responsibility to constantly be on the lookout for predators. It is on predators to not be predators. Yeah. Well, and I think we, we sort of touched on this, but like there is something in my mind. And I think you expressed this too, where nonverbal communication in the bedroom is sexy and enticing and like that's how it's supposed to be and I think one of my big takeaways now that I'm practicing and as I'm encountering so many different people and like even having these interviews is like communication is so fucking sexy like people who can talk about this stuff openly and give consent and like like those are the people I want to be doing things with because I feel safe and I feel taken care of and I feel like my voice is heard yeah and uh like yeah I don't know subscribe to that idea anymore that I like it's sexy to be quiet right yeah yeah um yeah I mean that's sort of um uh, aside from like workplace harassment and uh, uh, all the other, you know, political issues that came about with with uh, the Me Too movement, the more like personal stories. Yeah, I mean, in terms of personal, yeah, for sure. yeah, I'm yeah, I, I'm agreeing. Um, yeah, <laughs> the the more personal stories hinge on this idea that like the man will say, "Well, I know you wanted it." That's what he would always say, right? To yeah. each woman that this happened to, he he'd be like. Because in my, in my, this is what I ranted about on Facebook that day. As I was like, I said, I don't want to have sex today. And it was for a very specific reason. I had a UTI. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, which he gave me, which is a whole other story. And I was like, I can't, I physically have a reason. This is not just me being like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to. Like, this can't happen. And, uh, you know, and then like, he was someone that I'd been in a relationship with for a long time and so he was like oh well, we can just cuddle okay uh so we're cuddling we start making out and then I'm like okay but I can't have sex okay then it moves further okay but just remember <laughs> nothing up in there and then we continue and yeah. just remember and then he does it and afterwards I was ju- I was just I was just like couldn't compute I was like how is this possible I said he can't but then he still did like wh- I don't understand <laughs> what yeah. just happened um and and I said and at that point I was like had been talking about consent with him throughout our entire relationship since since the Hong Kong thing because I obviously as one of the conditions of us staying together I was like you need to learn you need to learn about consent and he would obviously get mad and flip out and be like why do you think I don't know and I'm like because you're demonstrating that you still don't know but um but yet I stayed with him. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was like, my rant was, what he said was like, oh, but, you know, but you were into it. And, you know, like I could tell that you wanted it. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? You it Verbal communication trumps whatever you think my body is saying. This right. is not a hip hop song. This is real life. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I said no. So that's what goes. Um, and, yeah, and, and and you know, like, people have, and we had this conversation, too, where 
he said that he had rape fantasies. He finally told me this, like, at one of the most broken points as, a, again, a means of being, like, quote-unquote vulnerable um, and showing me that he was, like, willing to change or whatever. Um, but he said that he had rape fantasies, and I was like, yeah, you know, some women have rape fantasies, too, about being raped, like, but there's a big difference between that being a fantasy and acting it out in reality mm -hmm. because uh, when people... Because I, I, I knew not that much about the kink community, but what I did know was people have safe words and people communicate about this Serious precisely because it can very quickly go from, oh, this is a fun acting out of my fantasy to this is actually rape. Yeah. So, yeah, so verbal communication is very, very important and yeah. I tried to convey that to him. Um, and I... I don't think that uh, he didn't want to. I mean, he didn't want to get it because he actually his fantasy was actually to violate someone. It mm -hmm. wasn't like, oh, it's fun to play out something that we both think is fun. Like right. it was. I want to dominate another human being. Sure. Yeah. So coming out of something like this, what like we sort of talked about some of the takeaways, but like how like what. What was the process of like now you're two years out of it? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like I'm just over a year from my relationship and I feel like I feel like I had a big unpacking process of like learned behavior that I thought was normal or thought processes that I thought was normal or just like how people would respond. Like I started assuming they would respond in similar yeah. ways to what he did. Or I was like conditioned into certain behaviors. Right. And it took me a long time to be like, okay, uh, not everybody acts like this yeah. and I don't have to be treated like that. And that's not just like a default thing. Right. Um, I think you still do that. You're still sort I'm of scared of so sometimes scared. that people are going to react angrily when they're just like oh okay oh i'm afraid <laughs> everybody is gonna like yell at me and tell me i'm crazy or yeah. just leave <laughs> right yeah i have a lot of fear around that yeah where's sandra let's get her back talk <laughs> about fear <laughs> <laughs> um but for you personally um you know, even in terms of that or just like now that you are looking for a new relationship in whatever context that is or exploring like you know, like I said, like I started this podcast because I realized there was so much more out there than just like the, I don't just the prototype of what I conceived of a heterosexual relationship. And, mm -hmm. and that was a beautiful gift to come out of and to sort of now be operating in the world that way. Um, what were your takeaways that you're now utilizing in this time? Mm -hmm. Um yeah. So as I said, I think I'm a different person now. Yeah. Um, which is just I was a person without boundaries and now I'm a person with boundaries. Um, and so um, I am I'm actually grateful that I went through this experience because I had like a full breakdown and had to rebuild the correct way <laughs> um, where I, I had to analyze everything that happened in the year of our relationship after we broke up because everything that he did and said was a lie. Um, so, you know, and, and being the gaslighting, like, I don't know that I'm grateful also that there were moments that we would break up in between because each time like a little bit of light would come through and I would see sort of, I would have clarity and understand what was going on a little bit and then we'd get back into it and then I'd sort of be sucked back in 
So by the time we broke up the last time, I was like really ready to accept the truth. Um, and yeah. And, and so first it was traumatizing to learn everything, like all the people he cheated with and like the specific circumstances of, you know, he was laying in bed with me talking to someone else and he was laying in bed with someone else talking to me and, you know, all of the like betrayal. Um, so I feel like I had to, I had to work through those feelings of betrayal and, um, what, what really uh, clicked and helped me to like start moving forward and healing was uh, ceasing to have empathy for him um, mm. because that was sort of what kept me stuck. Like as long as I, um, and I don't know, I think maybe now I might go a little too far in the other direction where um, I d uh, take a lot, I take on a lot less blame um like this is hard to explain <laughs> um so so basically I, I had to decide that none of this was excusable it didn't matter what his reasoning was it didn't matter how much he claimed to love me even if he did love me which I don't think he did because I don't think he understands love um that was the other thing that really helped honestly was understanding like oh this is not a person like everyone else who gives and receives love and, you know, um, like he doesn't share our humanity in my mind <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he doesn't have empathy because he sees people as tools. Um, so I release myself of any responsibility for him and for what I went through. It was his fault what I went through, right? So that was like the first step for me. Um, and I'm not saying that this is the case in every relationship. Like sure. this is the case in, you know, with someone who has NPD, in my opinion. Um, and I think that it's a useful way to think about it to move on whether or not it's like objectively true. Um, but yeah, so then from that point on, I sort of started being attracted to a very different type of person because I had gone through such painful things that I never wanted to feel again. So I prioritized um, kindness and consideration and moral backbone a lot more than I ever had before, which is like another thing that, you know, girls in their 20s do. Like they want the bad guy. Like so that's what we yeah. do, right? We want the bad guy because we want to change him because then mm -hmm. it's we're special. We're special. Yeah. yeah. And and I was like, for, so so now I don't um, I get into relations with people where I don't feel that special sometimes. Um, and <laughs> as you know, that's happened to me quite a lot in the last month um, <laughs> where I'm meeting people that are making it clear that I'm not special to them. But the interesting thing is that doesn't hurt me like I, because um, well, OK, and this is going to sound so corny, but. But part of the reason that we uh, allow ourselves to be treated in those abusive ways is that we are looking from love and validation from outside of ourselves and we can't give it to ourselves. Yeah. And so I guess like the second or third step of my healing process was uh, figuring out how to be self-sufficient emotionally. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I, I didn't, I don't, I don't need someone else to, to like tell me I'm worthy of love for me to believe that like you know I just I'm like I'm fine yeah I well I think like one of the like I go to Al-Anon and which is you know useful and and therapy and stuff but you know in terms of his behavior is inexcusable and you don't have responsibility for 
being assaulted and being attacked. But what is useful to look at is those things of like, okay, but I let this person in and how can I nourish myself so that I'm not searching for it from somebody right, else? Right, right. Yeah. But I see that as how you're treating yourself yeah. as opposed to how you're treating other people. Totally. Like, it's a question of, yeah, it's a question of what am I allowing into my life? Mm-hmm. That's the only thing you can control. Right. Um, and that, that, so it goes both ways, right? So on the one hand, it's, um, I'm loving myself more. On the other hand is I'm not trying to control or change other people at all. Yeah. That's been a struggle for me. Right. To just like be like, you're wonderful as you are. That also just doesn't work for me. Right. And that's okay. Right. That's a big one. Which is a big thing we talked about with Amy of like walking away from people who aren't a fit. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean that there is a lot of fear around that. Like as you were saying, Again, with this Disney thing where you're like, well, there's this only there's only this one person that's meant for me. So if I don't make this work, there's not going to be another one. And then I just won't have love. And, you know, obviously that's untrue. And I think of love in a much different way now. Like, you know, if you want to believe in like I I'll say like I believe in reincarnation. I believe that there are people that we are connected to from a past life and, you know, that there are special connections. It's not just like. It's not like a cold, heartless world. It's not, you know, Mm -hmm. like there are, there is love, right? But, but I think of love in a much different way. Um, It's not like this outside, like magic star you have to catch and just like, if you let go of it, then it's gone. Like it's in you. It's, it's a, and, and it's, uh, it is a set of circumstances, right? Like Mm -hmm. two people could meet on May 1st, 1985 and not fall in love. And then those same two people could meet again in 1995 and fall in love because it matters where they are individually in their lives at that moment, whether they are at a place where they're open Mm -hmm. to sharing it with someone else, whether they are in a place where they're loving themselves, whether they are, you know, inspired at that given moment. Right. Like to me, a lot of my definition of love has to do with inspiration and like inspiring each other. And like, sometimes I don't feel inspired. So like, I know that I'm not in a place where I can give much to another person because like, I'm trying to like fill my cup more, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh, well, this has been so <laughs> lovely. Um, thank you. For oh, that's coming it. On. <laughs> I mean, I think we found that the real yum all along was yourself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you just tied the bow. Look at it. It's so pretty. Oh, yes. uh, yay. I love yes. that. That's so true. That is like the the ultimate yum is self-love. Yes. Yeah. Will, I love that. Oh. Yeah. Will. Podcast done. <laughs> Found the yum. Mic drop. Um, I love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having yay. me. Yay. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Olga. Everybody go love yourselves. <laughs> Oh, thank you for listening. There is some wind outside that is rattling here. So, <laughs> so if you hear that. Uh, it's the Wizard of Oz taking us know. away. Um, thanks, Olga, for coming on. Yeah, thank you for um, being so vulnerable and open with us. Um, self-love, man. That's what it all comes it's down the, to. It's the remedy. Uh as always, please subscribe um, wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate us, comment, helps us so much. Follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Finding My Yum Podcast. Send email us an email, 
findingmyyum at gmail.com. Um, if you, we're always looking for new guests, so please do reach out to us. I have gotten some people reaching out. That's great. Uh, yeah, so it's exciting. Mostly and through like Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we did check the email. Yeah, so we did. Yeah. yeah, so we did. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yes, but uh, tune in next week. We've got some super exciting um interviews Shows in the works. In the way, yeah. on the way, on the way, on the way, yeah. on the way. Great. On the yeah. way. Okay. Bye. bye.